Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Now, as you all know, we are the masters of the Star Wars canon. We have apprenticed for years in order to make this happen. We've toiled, and we are ready for some trouble. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know how welcome. you managed to work in all the, ep- the episode titles into that, but well done. And the funny thing is, I think you missed the bubbles and bubbles so, because that's the it, one thing for me that goes with toil and trouble. It's it's very easy. You see, I yeah. uh, uh, soaked in the tub. No, <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, no, no. No, where that works. <laughs> we are, of course, talking. Everyone's about listening. Like, what, what are they? <laughs> what am I Everyone's here wondering what is happening. <laughs> Oh, we're already <laughs> off the rails. I know, but it's so fun. It's going to work out very well the yes. way these, these series go. But Stephen, we're going to be talking about what today? Ahsoka, not Mandalorian, although she came from the Mandalorian and then other things before that, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapters one and two. Chapter one was Master and Apprentice. Chapter two was Toil and Trouble. These were the premiere episodes, about two hours in total-ish. Um, and boy, like, uh, we are... This will be an episode. I, I, <laughs> I'm, so, be. I'm so excited to talk about these episodes with you guys. You know, we, uh, man, we've been looking for this for so long, right? This is our first. We've seen characters that pop up in from animation, pop up in live action, but this is, you know, Ahsoka. She, as you mentioned, she appeared in Mandalorian. She appeared in Book of Boba Fett. But this is this is Ahsoka's show, and it's it's not just Ahsoka. It's kind, not not kind of definitely the successor to Rebels, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we've we reviewed Clone Wars and Rebels since they came out 15 years ago. Can you believe that, guys, by the way? 15 years? Wow. That's, I don't want to think about uh, that. Yeah. So, I have no problem thinking about it. But, you know, yeah, yeah, our 15th anniversary is, uh, like, next month. Uh, and so... Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. Jeez. I know. Uh, and, and so to see these characters now in live action, having talked about them, followed them for 15 years in live action, in, in animation form... It's so cool. So I, I'm excited. So, it, it was, it's it's so great. Yeah, they and and, and to celebrate, Lucasfilm actually held a special fan premiere in a couple different cities uh, across the United States. It was really really awesome. They did screenings at the uh, Presidio in San Francisco. Uh, that's the one uh, I, I flew down to. They had a, a screening at the El Capitan Theater in L.A. at um, uh, they had it in uh, New York, Orlando, at, 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 and, and Anaheim at, at Disney. They had like surprise, mm. surprise screenings down there. So, yeah, it, it's it's so cool. I, I love that they're letting the fans experience this early. There's nothing like seeing Star Wars on the big screen. Yeah, uh, it was it, it's great, and I, I I can't wait to talk to you guys about these about this episode. I'm, I'm going to ask you a really quick question. For the 15 years that we have been doing this podcast, did you ever think we would see any of the animated characters jump like this to live action? Not like this, especially not a, a direct sequel. Mm-hmm. Steven? I, I'm trying to come. I was like, no, Tom, of course, like there was always a possibility this was going to happen. But I'm actually really struggling to find uh, an example other than this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. sorry, I'm actually, 
like uh, just to like put it in perspective. So Clone Wars started off with the movie. Right. Uh, Ahsoka was the character that was complaining about rolling death balls in a <laughs> very loud, high pitched voice. And and and, uh, and it wasn't fair, but everyone hated her. Right. We right. forget this now, but no, people. I, People right, hated it. So she was, she was like, and... people called her like Jar Jar Binks, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, back then. And I love Jar Jar Binks, but, you know. And, th- and people got irritated for calling Anakin Sky Guy. Yeah. And Snips and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was, yep. it was a whole thing. And, and over the 15 are, years. Yeah. Now, 15. Yeah. So and now she's a beloved character. Us, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the, the fan premiere. What, tell us, what was the experience like, William? You were our representative for the Iron Cannon podcast. Yeah, so I, I flew down to the one in SF, um, and, you know, these were, they were, of course, there's, like, the, um, you know, the, the 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 writer's strike and the actor's strike going on, so the Dave Filoni and the cast and crew were not, you know, at any of the, the screenings, but, um, you know, it was just an opportunity for the fans to get together and watch this these this premiere the first two episodes on the on the big screen of course we watched it at lucas Holmes headquarters uh at, you know at, at the presidio and it's a it's a great screen it's a great theater and it's so funny because you get to see a lot of the other fans and friends in the community right that you don't get to see very often and it's kind of like a, a a little family family reunion in, in some ways so that was that was so fun um and uh yeah we we got to experience the movie they, they gave out a lot of like they had tons of giveaways, lightsabers and and things uh, to get fan people excited. Not that they <laughs> needed needed to get people excited because they were already very very uh, uh, eagerly anticipating the episodes. And then afterward, we all took a big big group photo at the Yoda Fountain with uh, lightsabers and, and and a lot of folks uh, dressed up. So, yeah, it was uh, it was very very cool. And then the later that that evening, they actually announced a big change for Ahsoka. We were all expecting Ahsoka to drop at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesday, the 23rd of August, going forward. And that's, you know, that's what Disney Plus has done for every Star Wars show up till this point. And it's it's good because, I guess, you know, you wake up, right, and there's new Star Wars to watch. But mm-hmm. then you also have to go th- through the whole day, and you're like, oh, I can't, you know, maybe if, you, if you can't stay up till midnight, which I'll be honest, I, I I can't do anymore. <laughs> I can't start watching it, and then I'll be too tired. Nope. Uh, nope. I can't either. Yeah. Or so either you stay up till midnight, or you watch it first thing in the morning, which is what I typically will do, or you wait until that evening, uh, and then, or later in the weekend and try to watch it. And it kind of creates this fragmented experience where some of the fans are staying up till midnight watching, some of the fans are watching in the morning, some of the fans are watching in the evening, and you know the age of streaming that's that's much more common. But for for Soka. Disney Plus is trying something new, and they're going to release Ahsoka every week at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, so a full six hours earlier. What do you guys think of this decision? I'm personally pretty excited for it. I think this is the right choice, because the other piece I think you're missing, William, is that, you know, very often uh, you wake up, and like, in my case, uh, I usually don't watch it until the next evening at the earliest anyway. Mm -hmm. Um... And it is, it can be dangerous mm-hmm. to go online during yeah. the day when an episode is dropped at 12.01 a.m. Yep. Um, there are articles that have been written. There are, you know, it's just everywhere. Um, and this just puts it kind of, I mean, and we, won't, we don't need to go into the whole like Disney plus step back and all that type of stuff that's going on. Um, 
But this is puts it more in line with like traditional TV where you gather at a specific time. Um, now, you know, if you're going to miss it at 6 p.m., at least you know that like you had a chance. You can try and plan around it. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of this change. Yeah. Totally agree. The biggest thing for me is you don't have to worry about not getting online and reading any spoilers or like I would do is I would watch it right when I got into work and I'd be working and watching it at the same time. And you're not you're like half watching, half working. So now it's like I can total, total attention to the show at six o'clock when it drops. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I will admit, yes, this is a very U- U.S. We're all in the U.S. This is a very U.S. centric opinion. Right. Uh, I know if. Uh, yeah. If you're in like London, for example, right, uh, in the UK, uh, that the episode now drops at 2 a.m. your time instead of 7 a.m. So, uh, you know, it's it's there. You know, I, I guess there's a, a few hour period where now, you, if you really want to watch it the second it drops, you have to get up a little bit earlier. Um, but uh, I think for a lot of folks, at least at least in the U.S., where you know Lucasfilm is based and everything, I think it's going to be a, a a really good change overall and and yep. you know hopefully at least it gives it a, an evening at least for a lot of folks in the you know in the u.s to watch and then and, and start to discuss and then even in other fo- parts of the world right um you know it's it's you know first thing in the morning uh like in you know china japan it's like 9 10 a.m that sort of thing mm-hmm. i think australia is like 11 so you know uh, I, I think overall it's a really good change and i hope that I hope it results in a lot more discussion and and uh, fan excitement when the episode drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also curious to see uh, what that reaction is like. Yeah, and I think it also gives it a, a better opportunity to build a bigger fan base because it drops so early and people can get the word out there faster and people can say, oh, I can go home tonight and I can watch it. Since you've already seen it, I could probably watch it a little bit later instead of having to wait until that, you know, four o'clock three o'clock midnight more to watch it yeah exactly exactly and i mean i guess you know if you look at the time zone uh calculator you know i guess it would be middle of the night for all of the u.s and on the original time uh release time and then for you know the for europe it's like eight to you know seven to ten you know nine ten o'clock in the morning seven to seven to nine in the morning which in many cases people are already at work at that point so they also can't really watch it unless they have flexibility Hmm. Um, and you know, Asia is more like three to 5 PM. So I guess the whole time isn't really that convenient for most, most folks. Uh, so now at least it's the evening for us and first thing in the morning, by the time you wake up everyone and you know, a lot, most folks in Europe can watch. So yeah, I I think it's overall, you're never gonna find a perfect time for the whole world, but hopefully it's a, hopefully it works out a little better. So I'm excited. So yeah, Tuesdays, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. As you're listening to this, the episodes just dropped. Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited to, to dive in and discuss Ahsoka. Before we do, one quick note. Uh, we just got some Young Jedi Adventures uh, episodes released earlier this month. Another few episodes are coming out on November 8th, just in time for Life Day. There'll be a special Life Day episode. And then season one will continue in 2024. So they're really spreading season one across a good, you know, six to nine months or so. Uh, Lots of content for the younger ones. It's been a fun show so far. So with that, Tom, you want to take us in? Sure. Uh, We are going to be discussing basically Ahsoka chapters one and two. 
Ahsoka Chapter 1 is titled Master and Apprentice, directed by Dave Filoni and written by Dave Filoni. And then Chapter 2 is Toil and Trouble, directed by Steph Green and also written by Dave Filoni. In both episodes, they are set after the fall of the Empire. Star Wars Ahsoka follows the former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano as she investigates an emerging threat to a vulnerable galaxy. Hmm. Now, this, this, I believe, out of all the episodes, other than maybe the Clone Wars, is this the first time we have seen a scrolling in any of the live-action stuff so far? Yeah. Yeah, that was the most surprising it's, thing, yeah. right? It's, a, it's not a scroll, but it's the the scroll it's it's in red it's, it's yeah it's it's ver- it's, it's complete it's 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 not uh angled at all right it's completely straight how did mm. you guys feel about that I, i'll say i actually kind of liked it i mean i thought it worked pretty well it gave me a little bit of clone wars vibes with like the fortune cookie at the beginning but mm-hmm. you now a little bit heavier um yeah i i thought it was interesting i'm curious like only chap. Uh, sorry. So we're gonna talk about obviously about both episodes kind of together. Um, only Master and Apprentice had the scroll, so I wonder if it's just a new thing they'll do maybe for the starts of shows, or maybe they just felt like Ahsoka really needed the some amount of background in order to like get things started. If I had I to think guess, it was, yeah, it's the latter. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry, you're talk- I, I'd have to guess too because I think it was more when you read it, it's more of a setup of where the story is at this point to get everybody onto the same page before they continue uh, the rest of the story. Yeah, exactly. Cause there's, yep. you know, I, we will have to get into more on this in a little bit, but if you are a, if you're new to these characters, if you've never seen rebels, if you've never seen, um, if you've never seen clone wars, there's a lot of history here. And I know they tried their mm-hmm. best to make it as accessible as possible. And we should dive more into that, but I think they felt they they really needed they really needed a way to catch people up on everything that has been happening over the last 15 years really. If you haven't been following Star Wars animation, there's a lot. There's a mm-hmm. lot. So. Yeah, I I actually let's I'd propose we actually start with exactly that topic because okay, I think the thing that Go ahead. Like well, we could talk about the specific as we go through, but uh the thing that most surprised me is how especially the first episode, I feel like uh, it's a little bit of a slow burn mm-hmm. and it feels like it relies a lot on, you know, who Hera is, you know, who Ahsoka is, you know, who Sabine is. You kind of know what the relationship with each other is. Um, I did really enjoy the episode, but it is, there's a lot of history coming into the show. Like William, you were not kidding. This is rebels 2.0 for yeah. lack of a better word. Like, yeah. I, I mean, you yeah. could even argue yeah. that the first and again, we'll break this down more shortly. But the first two episodes are really a ex- very extended version of the l- l- final moments of Rebels. That that you know when when Sabine is is kind of recap you know ta- 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 you know ta- capping off the story right in the epilogue and saying mm-hmm. what happens to everyone in the future. It really everything that happens, I think, is between you know a couple of moments in. Yeah, at the very end of that 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 epilogue, uh, and so and the end of episode two really is the end of that the ep- the rebels epilogue, and now we're going we're going forward. And so yeah, you're you're right. I I I, I know they tried their best to make it as accessible as possible. I'm really curious to hear what people like, you know, like you know my wife or your or your wives, right? Uh, yep. Think of 
the the show because like you know my wife has not she's not seen all of rebels I, i've showed her like the the, the important episodes mm-hmm. but she's not, she hasn't seen the whole thing and so i'm very curious to see what what she thinks when when she has a chance to watch these episodes and and will does she feel lost or does she feel like oh it's okay there's some, there's some backstory but maybe you don't need to know right maybe it doesn't I don't, I don't know i i'm i i am very curious how newcomers I, will feel i think if they included any more backstory than they did it probably would have hurt the episode more because it wouldn't it would have caused more confusion to a new viewer i think they gave everybody just enough when it came to Hera, Sabine and uh, Ahsoka, just enough to understand the dynamics of, you know, there was, there, there's an issue between Ahsoka and, and Sabine. And, you know, you've got Hera saying, you've got to sit here and, and mend that. I mean, that's enough right now to know that, that something happened. You don't need to know the full backstory because as the episode progressed, you kind of had that fill in slowly. Like mm-hmm. Stephen, you said, the episode was a slow burn. I think both episodes were were specifically that way when it came to those three characters. It was a slow yeah. burn to get everybody caught up. The second episode does a better job of, it, uh, it, I think, it does. bringing in some other plot points. But right, uh, the first episode definitely, like, yeah, there's it's building up a lot of things. And, like, the first right. episode, I'll say it starts off, I thought, very strong with uh, Morgan Elsbeth's. Mm-hmm. Uh, jailbreak. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know she she is the character we saw in the Mandalorian, right? Yes. Like it's been yes. it's yeah. been a while, yes. so I was trying to remember. Um, but yeah, like she is. Uh, we see her on a new Republic ship, which I just I love. Anytime we get to see new ship design, so that that made me excited right off the bat. Um, and yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. How did you guys feel about the the, the jailbreak sequence and our mysterious uh, Jedi visitors, as it were? I, I liked it. I, I was expecting them to start with Ahsoka, right? Or or the Rebels mm-hmm. characters. And we don't. We we spend a lot of time with the all the new characters, right? Balin Skull, played by the the late Ray Stevenson. It was nice to say dedicated the episode to him. Um Shin Haiti as well, played by Ivana uh, uh Sakno. You know, they they pose as Jedi and I think we all know, right? There's no way they're not Jedi. They're definitely not mm-hmm. Jedi. And the captain was I mean, he knew he knew they were playing. I think he was still unwise to let them board. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's I it. Think, <laughs> but I think to take I think to take the captain's defense, he knew they were fake. He wanted to catch them. Yeah, he just thought he, he could... didn't expect them to be actual force right, users. Exactly. He expected them like like remember when in Obi Wan that one guy who was pretending to be a Jedi. He pre- he thought I can't remember the guy's name, but you you both know what we're talking about. Where he yeah. was able to get Corn Horn out as a kid, okay? That's probably what the captain expected—a fake, right? Not not not, not, not force users who are going to wipe all of them out. So right. yeah, I guess I was I was surprised by how they started, but it's a nice action sequence and and you know starts to give you gives you some more of that mystery of who are these characters, what are mm-hmm. they, what's their game? I don't know, Stephen, your thoughts. Oh. I will say, just as a, a note, like if someone, I don't know if I up with a good example off the top of my head that's like real world analogy, but like I did find it a little bit funny that they're, they're using like old Jedi codes, which kind of implies that it's not Luke's Jedi. It would be 
uh, like old Republic Jedi. Like, hello, right. sir. I have a code uh, from what twenty years ago now. Like, can I please redeem this code and get onto your ship? Like, that, I thought that was a little bit odd. But, but it's but it's it's been used before. Remember, Return of the Jedi, Luke used an older code to yep. get onto the planet. Yeah, but that but that the implication from that code is it was stolen like a couple of months ago. Like Very the Imperial true. Order. Like this is you're you're we're talking about a code that is two galactic orders ago. Okay. Like okay. Fair uh, enough. Sir, we have a ship approaching. It's from the Ottoman Empire. Ah, just let them dock. <laughs> It'll be fine. Like, <laughs> okay. Okay. That that was what I mean, I thought it was funny. And I think you're yeah. right that it's it's more a reflection of Captain Hale's kind of overconfidence uh, yeah. that this clearly couldn't be Jedi. We've got plenty of security. Uh, um, but also, I really, really enjoyed uh, Balin, especially Ray Stevenson's mm -hmm. character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really big fan in both of the episodes. Just a very cool and collected kind of uh, charisma to him, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I actually really appreciate it. They don't really play him as like, overly evil if that makes sense yeah like right. he's got the orange light yeah. instead of red clearly has no compunction against killing people but like he never engages in the uh wanton destruction that i think we've associated with the sith in so many ways i'm really curious to learn more about kind of the background for these characters mm -hmm. yeah he, to, to me he had a count dooku feel to him but yeah, that not that count great, dooku yeah yeah that's a yeah. really great description yeah, yeah. Yeah, almost like a cross between Count Dooku and Qui Gon. I, I I feel like you know he he's the the intro yeah. almost has a very Phantom Menace uh, start to it, right? With these mm -hmm. uh, you know, these Jedi arriving on a ship, obviously d different in many ways, but um, you know also so, you know it had a similar feel, right? With the Jedi arriving with their cloak, you know their hoods up, supposed Jedi, um, and yeah it. Even even later in the episode too, right? With there's a shot with some probe droids, all very Phantom Menace uh, inspired yep. in, mm -hmm. in, in in many ways. But yeah, I I thought I thought Balin was an awesome character. Yeah, I I'm excited to, to learn more about them. I think we we discovered throughout the episode that he is a is a Jedi. He was grew, grew up as a Jedi he, at the Jedi, at the temple. He he constructed his lightsaber with Hu Ying, and eventually disappeared after the clone wars and now he's popped up and we really don't know he very clearly says right they're after power uh, later in the in the episode that more power i'm trying to remember the exact word but you know he, he they're after you know power such as you've never dreamed right that's it yeah mm. it, and, and they're after something they're getting paid it sounds like by morgan elsbeth yeah i, I want to know more about them because he's such a cool character yeah. He's very reminiscent to me of Joris Sabaoth from uh, either yes. Outbound Flight, which we'll talk oh. about at the very end, yep. um, or obviously the Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. Um, just yeah. has that same kind of vibe of uh, definitely not a Jedi, not really a traditional Sith, but definitely, uh, I don't know, a, a non-typical Dark Force user, it seems like. And it's, yeah, they did a great job with him. And I'm... Mm -hmm probably the, actually he might be the character i'm most excited to find out more about as the series goes on yeah yep yeah i agree i agree so yeah and then of course you know there's also shin haiti as well she's a much more mysterious we don't really find out as much about her she's she's a she's his padawan 
she goes on a number of missions for him throughout the the premiere. But yeah, we she's she's a lot more of a mystery. I feel like she the, she's very good at the evil eye. Is she my is. my take so far? She's yeah. also very and, good at being the broody the the broody yeah. apprentice. And the thing I found very fascinating, she had the apprentice braid. Did you notice that? Yes. Yeah. 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 That was cool. Yeah. I. Yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating to learn more about her. What is her backstory? Where did where did Balin find her? Where 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 did she come from? You know. Yeah. And the other thing we found very fascinating when when we found out that that Balin was a former uh, Jedi from the temple, it was fascinating to know that when the, the droid looked at the two sabers, where did she build that saber? Because that was something that the the droid had never seen before. Mm-hmm. So. That's going to be fun to, to find out. Yeah, presumably, I think Balin taught her well, everything yeah. he knows. But yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, they're they're cool. I I I really like Balin. I think he may be one of my favorite new villains in Star Wars TV. You know, because sometimes the villains, sometimes the new characters are a little uh, cheesy at times. You know, <laughs> some are great and some are a little more cheesy. He's really cool. I really like him. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and you know, it gets us, we, we saw Morgan Elsbeth captured in the Mandalorian, right? She, uh, she's, she, she's the one, you know, when Ahsoka first appears in season two, right? She goes up against Ahsoka, Morgan Elsbeth knows where Thrawn is and Ahsoka manages to take her down in a cool samurai fight and, um, you know, is able to get Thrawn's location or at least uh, information about where to go find Thrawn next. And so that's, that's kind of how she comes into play. And she's clearly the, the leader of this group. I'm excited to dive more into that because there's a, there's a lot we could unpack there, but I guess uh, suffice to say she gets broken out of prison. Hey, that hallway, everything. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, <laughs> Sorry. I, I think I Tom was just captured what? by the the Empire again. By the way, I, we completely forgot Tom. I hope you're okay. Oh yeah. Uh, after yeah, after last week. That's why I sat there and said, "Hey guys, really? Didn't you help? Why didn't you guys help me? We tried. Seriously. We couldn't we get really to you. Busy, Tom. We couldn't get to you. you just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, they, they, uh, you know, they just about came out of nowhere to try that again. That's why I said, "Hey, okay, I wanted to get your attention. Seriously. Okay, can we get back to the podcast now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know the. The hallway scene was very Rogue One esque, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm also laughing because uh, Gary Witta is obviously the writer for Rogue One, uh-huh. and um, I started following him online a little more because he seems to like post quite a bit. Um, and I remember him saying something a couple weeks ago, not related to Ahsoka, as far as I could tell. Just like, oh, I guess every Star Wars scene needs, to, or our Star Wars show needs to have a hallway scene now. And I think he was talking about mm-hmm. the Mandalorian. <laughs> And I, <laughs> I really laughed because it's like, oh, well, Ahsoka, check. Definitely a Star Wars show. It's got Even more scene. so, right? With the white hallway and the lightsaber and everything. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah. And the brutality of those uh, yes. rebellion guys. It's hard to argue with. Yeah. yeah, it was cool, though. They did a good job. Also, some of the most prominent use of piano, I think, in all of Star Wars music. It was very unique, but I, I, I liked it. It was, it was cool. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know me. I. Yeah, I, love, I love the music. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, cool start. And then, we, and then we start to get to Ahsoka, and it's a little bit of a slow burn as we learn what she's going after. What you know, I think there's a lot of mystery, right? Because for for fans of for fans of Rebels and Clone Wars, right? We saw her grow up in Clone Wars, and she leaves the Jedi when Rebels actually debuted. We we knew nothing about what had happened to her. All we knew is that she had abandoned the Jedi. And she left right when the Jedi turned their back on her, basically. Um, and throughout Rebels, we see her uh, reappear as a little older, a little more reserved, right? A little, a little quieter, and she be- takes on more of the mentor role. And at the end of Rebels, she's she's dealt with you know the revelation of Vader. She's dealt with a lot of these things. Uh, these you know big issues, and now she goes off on her own. We the, in, the, in the epilogue, we see that she she comes back for Sabine, and they're gonna go find Thrawn and Ezra, right? As as Sabine says at the, at the end, it's time to find them. They're out there somewhere, and it's really great. But we we don't know what happens, and that was you know presumably well, we didn't really know when that epilogue took place, right? Somewhere, um you know rebels takes place just before a new hope and a couple months before a new hope and mandalorian's about nine ten years after uh, you know after around nine ten abby um sorry bby abby <laughs> i cannot talk today it is uh, abby and so there's a good nine ten year period between rebels and uh, mandalorian when ahsoka reappears and kind of puts grogu on the on the right path and we didn't really know where this show would take place, right? And we knew it was going to run around the time of the Mandalorian. It turns out that I think the epilogue to actually does take place over over those ten years, ending at this point. But she's a very different character now, Ahsoka. How, thoughts on Ahsoka, Stephen? Yeah, you and I talked about this a little bit when we were talking about the episode after. I. I do miss a little bit of the Clone Wars and even Rebels Ahsoka to some degree. Um, She's very reserved through a lot of this series. Um, She kind of has that like, I'd actually call it like the classic Jedi aloofness to some degree, disconnected from the world around her. Uh, I think it makes sense given all the things she's gone through. And I think my biggest hope is we see that shell start to break a little bit as we go through this series, Um, have her rediscover some of that uh i don't know early excitement and you know whatever uh bravado that ahsoka had mm-hmm. um and i suspect we'll see that through sabine like a uh, core part of the first and second episode especially is her relationship like sabine and uh ahsoka are the master and apprentice i mean i guess you could argue that uh Balin and shin are as well but mm-hmm. uh i'm i'm i want to see her break out of her shell a little bit i don't know how did you feel about it tom I, I agree with you. She's very reserved, very thoughtful. It seems like in all of her actions, she, I wouldn't say calculating, but, oh God, it's, she's not cold, but it, it's hard to describe how she is at this point compared to like you mentioned, when you go to uh, the Clone Wars and to Rebels. Um, I would like to see maybe that break a little bit have her smile a little bit more, have her be a little playful a little bit more. Um, but also understand she's been through an awful lot. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, I would say the same thing as Sabine, but not so much so because, you know, here 
you've got Ahsoka finding out that your master now ends up being one of the worst villains in the galaxy. Yeah. And she was framed as a Jedi, right? She she was yes. framed. Her 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 She's master is the most one of the most evil guys in the galaxy. Yep. She has a right to be reserved, and yes. she is her writing is very much in character with how she was portrayed in Rebels. Yep. That said, I do agree with you, Stephen. I, I wish she was a little more. Uh, you know, I, I do. I miss the Clone Wars Ahsoka. Uh, in, you know, in yeah. many ways, a L- uh, little more lighthearted and and and, and fun. And, but I, I'll say it's one of those things. I'm not counting this against uh either why am i blanking the actress's name rosario um, dawson rosario yeah dawson? like yeah. It, i don't think it's a mark against rosario dawson no, i don't no, think no. it's a mark against the show i i think no this is where the character's starting and my hope is that we will evolve and start to showcase some of this as the the show goes on and i think based on the first two episodes all the pieces are there yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think the biggest thing when it comes to Ahsoka, she's got nothing or nobody to bounce off of her bounce things off of at this point remember Clone Wars, she had Anakin. Then mm. when she gets to Rebel, she had the whole ghost crew. But when it got to the end, when she, you know, a- after the Caesar Mandalore and all that stuff, she was basically alone. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's a good point. That, that, that would that would tighten up anybody, and that would close up anybody. Yeah, and one, one of the biggest surprises in this, you know, in this episode is is how strained her relationship is with Sabine. She still very much has a good relationship with Hera, and we actually see that she's still called Fulcrum, right? She's still uh, off doing her thing. I thought she'd passed on the name Fulcrum, but I, maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe when it comes to that whole network, it's Fulcrum. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. That could yeah. be it. Um, but you know, she's we. It all happens off screen. As I was watching the 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 episode, you know, I, I rewatched Rebels right before uh or at least you know the 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 essential rebels episodes before i saw the the premiere and as i was watching i was like wait i don't i don't remember her i don't remember her having like you know falling out with sabine when did this happen and i was confused for quite a bit of the episode thinking did i I miss something i forget something no, t- turns out it, it's it's not something I missed. It's something everyone <laughs> everyone missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it happened off screen sometime in the last ten years, where you know there was there were certainly hints that Sabine had force potential. Uh, you know, Kanan trains her in uh, Trial of the Dark Saber, fantastic episode of Rebels. Um, and you know, eventually, you know, she she wields a dark saber for a time. She passes it on to Bo-Katan. That's the whole whole reason uh, for the drama and then Mando. Um, mm-hmm. But she, you know, and at the in the Rebels season finale, Ezra, right before he runs secretly, you know, runs away to go confront Thrawn, gives Chopper his lightsaber, and, and Chopper gives the, the his lightsaber to the lightsaber to uh, to Sabine. But we never really see her. Or it's never. It's more hinted at that she has the force. That not. It's not ever really confirmed. Well, hang on. Uh, she doesn't have the force though. Well, and so that's I, they confirm it. So in she very she tells I believe Hu Yang when she's recovering the second episode that she doesn't have the abilities that Ezra had. Mm-hmm. And like that certainly that could be uh, smaller scoped. Like she, maybe not. She means like the expertise or or, or maybe the level. But they yeah. <laughs> it's the same way um, they talk about Balin 
like Balin's abilities, I believe, when they're boarding the ship. Uh-huh. Um, I read that as it is not uh, like Sabine is not, a, you know, a uh, traditional Jedi. Like she is very much, you know, a uh, a normal person that is training with a lightsaber, perhaps with the, you know, expertise of a, her Mandalorian heritage or whatever it might be. Um, and I actually think it fits nicely with Ahsoka, not, also not really considering herself a Jedi either. Like Sabine's not a uh, Jedi Padawan, just a well, you know, a, a friend or, you know, whatever, whatever we think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a very interesting, that was a very interesting discussion between Hu Yang and Sabine, right? Because, you know, you're right. She does say she's never had the talent or abilities that Ezra has in, in a pretty funny moment. Hu Yang's like, I've known many Padawans over the centuries and I could safely say your aptitude for the force would fall short of all of them, which is, yep. <laughs> Ouch. Um, and so that definitely implies that she has little to no force ability. Um, that said, Ahsoka also took her on as an apprentice, right? And and it happens off screen. And um, yeah, so it's a little hard to know. And this yeah. is where I think it, we, it contributes even more to this feeling of like, oh boy, you're missing a lot of the very important backstory here. Right. Uh, and and that's for us as it, big fans. And so I guess the one yep. so, yeah, for for the average for the average uh viewer who who doesn't know, do you think it's going to be more confusing or or less? What do you think? I, I'd say maybe a little bit more and that it just feels like there's more stuff that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um that's what I fear. In, keep in mind like if you've never seen Rebels before, uh you maybe know Ahsoka very little, but you don't know who Sabina is, you don't know who Hera is. But I actually want to talk about Hera a little bit, too. Um, a, just awesome that we get to see her in live action, I think, for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I did have to laugh a little bit, though, that she's still wearing her pilot's uniform, even as a general, which made for some very disconnected type of scenes where she's, like, briefing Ahsoka uh, or talking to Sabine or she's giving orders as a general, but very much just, like, wearing, like, the bomber's jacket and everything was, mm-hmm. I don't know, it made me laugh. I think the biggest thing for me wasn't so much that it was the rank was just so big. I'm looking at all these ranks. Yeah. Really, uh, it, it's just, it stuck out like a sore thumb. I really hate to say this. It looked like there's this big square with five candies on it because they were just so big. <laughs> it's like, if it, they were smaller, it, it wouldn't be so noticeable. And, and I will say hokey. It was a little distracting. I, yeah, it was a hundred percent. agree. Uh, I, yeah. I did really like, it, it was so fun to see Hera, though. And oh yeah, I, I thought yeah. you know we will probably talk more about this, but the going I feel like it's easier to go from live action to animation because you know it's a it's a take on a character, yeah, yeah. an animated take on a character. Going from animation, the opposite from animation to live action, I think it's much harder because you're trying to now translate a character, that you know, an animation who may have also more unusual proportions right uh mm-hmm. and trying to, to do that with a, a that human actor <laughs> and well, it can be it can be challenging and also trying to find someone who matches those you know in animation you can make it them look like anything anyone but if you're going the opposite you have to find a real person that kind of looks like the and sounds like the the character and so and that is a good actor and it's a right. good actor exactly and i think yeah 
Sabine, uh, Natasha Leo Bordizio, outstanding. Like she oh, totally. screams Sabine to me. Like totally I, agree. Yeah, absolute yeah, perfect totally casting. It, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't think you could do any better. Um, I, I think, I think for me, especially when she got her hair cut, I think that is where it is the perfect Sabine Wren casting of her. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and Hera, I thought played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's actually Ewan McGregor's wife. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so a fun star Wars connection there. Um, she, I thought did a really good job as Hera as well. It took me a little bit longer to get used to her. It seemed a little, she seemed almost a little bit lighter. I can't, I'm trying to, I don't really know how to describe it, but by the end of the two episodes, I was like, okay, yeah, she feels like Hera to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought she did a, a, a really, a really good job. I, I want to jump back to something, William, you said about where it's hard to take a person from animation to bring it into live action. I think the one that where they nailed basically the best, but it took me a while to realize who it was, was using Clancy Brown to recreate <laughs> Governor yes. Ryder as oh Azadi. It took me that little bit because, sure, it's the it's the same voice and animation to live action. But when you're so used to seeing that animated character up on screen, you get so used to that voice being there on screen animated. It's hard to take that translation for that same voice into live action. But once you really listen to it, then you're like, wait a minute. Oh, they use Kellens. Oh, he's the same. Oh, that totally works. He's the only one that reprises his role. Yeah, he's too. the only one. Yeah. I didn't catch it either. Like, I was yeah. like, Ryder is Zadi. That name sounds super familiar. <laughs> the actor looks super familiar. And I just could not for the life of me place it. And when I was like, yeah, he was in the show. I was like, I totally <laughs> forgot that. Yeah, I, I, I picked it up really quick. I just forgot. I forgot the name of the governor. I knew you know, that was Clancy Brown, though, it, once you got into the voice. Yeah, it, it was funny because I, I, I rewatched the finale on the flight down um, for the for, to the screening. And I was like, as I, th- I actually thought to myself, I, I wonder if Ryder would sh- will show up in, in the in the show. And sure enough, there he is, right? Played by Clancy Brown still. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool. We also got Jai Kel. Remember, uh, the, he, he was the kid. Uh, in the Imperial Academy training program with Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's all grown up, uh, played by Vinnie Thomas. Uh, and he's a senator of all things. Uh, he's the a, one who a gets A senator kinda... who was pushed into the spotlight yeah. to stall. So it's it's so fun to see all these animated characters you know, return in, in live action from Rebels. And we, like, we even see Lothal, right? The, 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 the the city of Lothal, the iconic you know towers, the spires, the you know silver spires, we white spires. We've got the plains of Lothal looked incredible. The Lothcats everywhere, right? And the and the wolves. Oh. The um, even seeing um, uh, you know the 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 old communications tower and the the, the long road to it. The, the road still cracks me up. Yeah. I have to say, like, <laughs> okay. it, why? why? It's just, especially in live action, like it is a massive highway from a huge city to what looks like the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know why it was in the show. It, they, I think they did kind Budgetary of reasons. putting like a big landing <laughs> pad at the end of it. Yeah, they did. Uh, but it just looks really funny, and it cracked me up every time it was on screen. Well, it, it cracks me up because here's Sabine trying to get away from the the thing that was supposed to the, the ceremony that was supposed to honor her. And she's driving away, and it's funny. Did did you guys really appreciate the E wings showing up? Oh, Those were cool. Again, so excited that we get to see the E wings. Yeah, 
I have I will have comments on the New Republic and its ship philosophy as we get mm -hmm. to the end of the second episode. But they get a lot of points for having the E-wings there. Yeah. But I, I just found it funny that here she is on this long road and it just road, 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 road ends on this landing pad and she continues straight into the, let's say, quote unquote, desert. You kind of sit here and wonder, did they run out of money at the end of that landing pad to where they couldn't just continue that road further? Uh, no, that yeah. was going to be the Imperial uh, spaceport facility, Tom. You know, it was mm -hmm. going to be a big, expansive. It's why they need to put it outside of the city so far, just to Got make it, it work. Um, it. Although I'm realizing, even as I try and spin this story, we see Ahsoka's ship, like, dock in one of the towers or at one mm -hmm. of the towers. So maybe that's... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that I don't know if that actually yeah. works. But yeah. I, I just I just loved, right? In in Rebels it was there I think for budgetary reasons. We we have a giant planes yep. and we need a, a road between them and great. But seeing yep. it in live action is is just really cool. It looked phenomenal. I I was yeah, blown away by how good and how it looked like it was straight out of the animated out of animation but in live action in, in all the best possible ways and we we find out that it's the it's the anniversary uh of the battle of lothal probably at this i'm guessing the 10th 10th anniversary right um and governor Ryder azadi is presiding over this this ceremony to unveil wait for it the monument mural from the end of rebels so that kind of explaining why they had that that mural of the of all the characters in rebels that Ahsoka and and Sabine stand in front of in the in the finale it's it was created 10 years later it to to honor their uh you know their their heroic actions and in many cases their sacrifices in rebels and so it's really cool to be there like when they dedicated it i i appreciate it even though Sabine right in in classic Sabine form absolutely refuses to show up for it and just runs away. Mm -hmm. I, before we get to talk about Sabine running away, I also just so appreciated the style of the mural as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Cause it like, it's, it's not one-to-one -one. like Hera. I noticed was like, didn't quite look like she did in the show, but like Ezra is like a one-to-one -one animated yep. Ezra to the, the mural itself. And I thought that was just a really neat way to tie the, the history of the animation there. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this now let's talk about the E wings, right? We've got uh, Sabine Always. runs away with some rock music playing in the background. Again, unique musical choices here, but also so good. And later on, when we hear like the Rebels theme and Ahsoka's theme, man, it just tugged my heartstrings. It was so good. Kevin Kiner back for I. Is this his first live action show? I'm actually curious now. I got. I want to look that up. But you know, Kevin Kiner, who did the music for Clone Wars and Rebels, back doing music in live action. Awesome, awesome, you know, awesome work. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think of the? Uh, no, 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 he's 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 done. Sorry, he's done live act. He's done live action before. He's done a number of shows. Ignore me. Uh, but at least translating his Clone Wars and Rebels music into live action was just so special. Um, yeah, thoughts on the, the introduction of Sabine. How'd you feel about her? We talked about how great Natasha was as, as Sabine, but 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, definitely captures her kind of, uh, I'm going to say the word rebellious, but in a very specific sense. Like that rebellious spirit, not really wanting to do anything. Uh, yeah, doesn't want to be at the show. So she's just going to, you know, leave and do her own thing instead. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, as funny as the, you know, entire highway is, it made for a relatively entertaining, like, not, I don't know if I want to call it a chase sequence. Um, but seeing her, you know, drop the speeder and slide underneath the E-wing, I thought was pretty cool. The pilots mm -hmm. know they can't really stop her, but they're trying their best. <laughs> they're trying to follow well, their orders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, I mean, the the one pilot did sit there and give her a nod, saying, "Okay, I give up. Go yeah. ahead and go do what you got to do." Yeah, and basically, yeah, yeah I mean, continued on. At some point, what what are you going to do? You know, like yeah. yep. you're not going to shoot her down. So, no. yeah. And and why can you? She's a hero of the rebellion. So exactly no you, yeah. there's nothing there's nothing you can do you, there's nothing you can yeah. do and yeah so it's a great sequence and that takes us into the you know she she goes home to the the com, old com, com tower and she pulls out an, an uh the old holler recording of ezra bridger played by now by iman asfandi and again for fans of rebels it's so cool to see he definitely looks a lot older in in the yep. hologram mm -hmm. but not surprising no yep. given live action but exactly but like you know yep. he, he tries to explain why he made the decisions that he did and you can tell that the day is it's the anniversary of him disappearing and it's really really hitting sabine hard you, you can you can tell and she's that's natasha did such a good job conveying that and yep. it, it's she's torn up by the fact that he's he's disappeared and She's tried to take care of Lothal on her own, but he, she, she wishes clearly he was, he was still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just like, she has a pet love cat. It's so fun to see the love cats I, in live action. I just, I was so it. excited when we saw the yeah. love cat too. And that he, he or she, I don't know which, uh, shows up quite a bit too. Yeah. Yep. There's lots and lots of love cats in, yeah. in the premiere. Uh, yeah, there's some great good. moments too, right? Where the, they pop up, but it, it from a it felt like it was shot identically to Rebels, mm -hmm. right? It, it 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 really did feel like you took Rebels and just made it into live action form, especially once once the the Rebels characters begin to show up. It's like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. they're just they're continuing Rebels. That's you know, it's it's they're they're still going. Here we are. Right, and so like like we talked about, we get to see the the beginning of the the mural, right, and then a little bit later we see Soka's arrival. We'll talk more about that, and then we see her and her cut her hair as we saw in the finale. You know, the, saw her her new haircut, in the, you know, in the finale of Rebels, and then we see Ahsoka arrive. It it really covers the entire. It's only like thirty seconds, I think, in Rebels, but these episodes kind of cover that in far far more detail. Yeah. Okay, so that's not actually you know after we meet Balin, we don't they, they take a little bit to get to um to get to to Lothal. Instead, I think it's maybe like 20, 30 minutes into the episode. Uh it's a pretty long first episode, almost an hour. First, we get a very quiet and almost um an almost contemplative uh sequence with Ahsoka as she searches for the map to Thrawn on this ancient planet called Arcana. And it this there's like no talking for 
a good amount of time. Right? Yep. What, what mm-hmm. did you guys think of this whole sequence? It's almost more Indiana Jones-esque. It's incredibly Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like she's in a room. We've got the motifs on the wall that are very interesting. She's twisting pillars to line up lines. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. They looked a lot like the Mortis gods to me on the walls, right? Absolutely. They really did. And I had absolutely no problem with the way this was done because really the dialogue wasn't supposed to, the dialogue was not the story. The story was actually Ahsoka going through, trying to solve the puzzle, looking and figuring out how to get what she wanted and needed. So I will there, say there was supposed to be no dialogue. Yeah, I, I do think it was a little on the long side, especially because there's not like if you think of the, in some of the Indiana Jones type stuff, like it's very clear. Uh, you know, he's like, oh, I need to remove the uh, what do you what do you call it the the idol and remove the it, idol and put the sand down. Yeah. The problem with, I thought, this sequence, like, again, it was fine. It was just a little long for my taste. It's just that, like, she's just twisting things, and we don't really know, like, there's no uh, guesswork or, like, oh, how's she going to solve it? It's just like, oh, she twisted it, and then something lit up. Cool. Mm. I would have I loved to see a little bit more of the solving or be included. Kind of actually, in some ways, like, when Sabine solves the map uh, sphere itself, mm-hmm. I think would have been more interesting. Yeah, that was a better. That was certainly yeah. a, a better, a better sequence. Um, I I was surprised. It was was cool to see the HK droids. It's a, I think it's a newer model, but the still HK droids, right? Like HK forty seven from always cool to see from yeah. uh, uh, from Kotor. Yeah, and that fight was it was it was a cool fight, right? It was just some nice action there. I like how the she jump below the floor and back into the chamber and pulled the HK droids down. Can we talk about that self-destruct though? (laughs) Cause so I started watching the episode. William had already seen them. And the first text I sent to William as I'm watching is like, well, that was an explosion or something along those lines. Cause it's, those droids are not that big. And that explosion wiped out a city. Like it's uh, like a small temple. There were three of them though. I think I mean, there are all three of them stopped. So yeah, you're you're multiplying that explosion by three, although timing them all at the same time was fascinating, but you're still looking at, at the destruction. Yeah. And I, I did laugh because my first thought was like, oh, so you're going to self-destruct. We're, we're doing the, the silly thing where we announce we're going to self-destruct and then it takes like five minutes until it goes off. Mm-hmm. Um, seems hey, like you that's a just, big like, explosion. You, you need time to charge that thing up. Well, and then on top I of that, you got to like, give... I feel like they should be running and chasing right you now. Well, agree. And I was like, oh, never mind. They don't need to. It's because the explosion is. You cannot run. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things. It's kind of like the the hyperspace ram where it's like, you know, if we have explosions this big, I feel like this opens up some other questions about like, why do we need ships? Like just send these small explosives at them and, you know, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it it made me laugh and it, it was enjoyable. And the animation for it was, I thought, really well done. Yeah, it was also cool to see Hu Yang, who's you know played by David Tennant, uh, reprising his role from uh, from Rebels uh, or sorry, mm-hmm. not Rebels, Clone Wars as well. I don't think Hu Yang actually showed up in Rebels, um, but it's really cool, right? Because he knows a lot of the Jedi history, and so it's it's a nice way for Ahsoka to one, have someone to, to work with and two, to kind of pass along the, pass on the, the knowledge of the Jedi. And mm-hmm. he's a, he's a cool droid. I, I like seeing him back. Yeah, I, I did too. 
I like seeing him back because when he moves, you could tell how old he is. He's not really perfect in his movement. He's very slow. So you can you feel that age of that droid because he's yeah. been around from the sounds like centuries. He has. And it's you know, he's seventy five percent original parts, so there yeah. you go. <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. Uh, and, you know, later, right, the Balin and, and uh, Shin and Morgan Elsbeth come back, you know, they come back to Arcana and start to, to follow the trail. And this is where I think the biggest revelation or one of the bigger revelations, I feel like we should have guessed this, but Morgan Elsbeth is a night sister. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting reveal. Um, I do appreciate when she describes herself as a, a survivor versus, you know, a witch. Um, I thought was a good description. Um, yeah, it's all, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 really cool. I like that she's a night sister, right? We've got Marin from uh, uh, from the Jedi, Jedi Survivor, Survivor yep. Jedi mm-hmm. Fallen Order games, and it, it in hindsight, it's like, of course, right? She wears red, what red robe? She has bright silver, you know, white hair. It, mm-hmm. of course, she's a night sister, but I don't, I don't know why I did not, did not realize it. And it's I, funny. I was, I was talking to someone after the show. They're like, you didn't, you know, like, uh, you know, someone at Lucas. I'm like, did you realize that was a night sister? I was like, no, no, we had no idea in Mandalorian. <laughs> I think the everyone was like, yeah, for- we have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and I think the biggest thing for me that didn't tip her off as a night sister is we are so used to seeing Asajj Ventress as being so pale that, and also bald, mm-hmm, although yeah. later, although later Asajj did grow hair, but there's That's something true. between Asajj and this character that just didn't, for me, make that connection. That's true. And even, even Mother Talzin was very pale and, and yes. Morgan Elsbeth is not. So and, ma- and maybe that's very why. pale. It was like a very pale and very mystical. Yeah. There was something yeah. about the air and, and her, the, I know it's animation, but it's the air, it's the talking, it's it's the the feel of the character is so much different that way than Morgan Elsmith's portrayal of a night sister. Yeah, doesn't mean it's wrong because as we know, there's there you know throughout the galaxy there's different factions, but yes, it did kind of take me a little bit off guard. She was a night sister. Yeah, I, I like it though, and and I like how later we get to see a little bit of the green glowing night sister magic. So it's yeah. yeah, some cool. It's it's subtle. They did a good job. It was it was subtle. Yeah. It was not like in your face. But for all the fans, like ah, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah, yep. totally agree. Uh, okay, so now let's talk about Ahsoka. She arrives on um, on Lothal, and it starts with. Sabine having a, a a dream, hearing Taylor Gray's voice as as Ezra. I, I I like they brought you know they replayed the clip of, of of Taylor Gray as Ezra from from Clone Wars, and that's when Sabine walks out onto the platform and she sees Ahsoka's ship flying overhead, shot almost a shot for shot remake of the beginning of that Rebels epilogue in live action, which is so cool. Oh, I was. I need to go back and rewatch Rebels because I did not catch that, and that is really, really neat. Yeah, the the one in the one thing from a timeline standpoint in Rebels when you know because you, you remember like, for those of you who maybe haven't seen it in a while, Rebels they 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 they, they win the Battle of Lothal and then it like, fades to black and then the epilogue begins and Sabine is narrating what happened, right? And it starts by, she sees a ship flying over the communications tower, Ahsoka's ship, you know, flanked by some X-wings and exactly like we see here. 
and mm-hmm. she's got her hair super short now and she talks about what happened to uh you know to to Zeb and Agent Callus and like go back to Lyrasan and and then how Hera now has Jason uh and how she and Rex fought in the battle of Endor and you know they kind of recaps all these different things and then at the very end that's when she's standing in front of the mural Ahsoka shows up and they're like we're going to go find Ezra and the end um the whole time she has short hair here it's it's I haven't actually put them side by side I, I, I will once the episodes come out but I'm very curious to see if they are I'm pretty sure it looks certainly looks to me like a shot for shot remake mm-hmm. the only difference is Sabine has long hair at this point and she doesn't get the short hair until much later in the second episode just before she goes and stands in front of the mural. So part of me wonders either they're just like, ah, it's a discrepancy between the animation and live action. Who cares? Or maybe we think it's this shot, but really the, the actual one from rebels is maybe a very similar thing happens after she cuts her hair. When Ahsoka is returning to Lothal for a second time. I don't know. I, it could be either. Way, I, but. I would bet it's just a discrepancy and is the type of thing where, you know, as they're lining up the story beats, they're like, you know, we want uh, Sabine's haircut really needs to come a little bit later. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, or we want to introduce a story moment maybe where we have Sabine's haircut. So we'll just, you know, leave it as is. And yeah. You know. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you're I think you're right. But it's still really cool to see. And this is where we get a lot more of the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine and how. There's there's a lot that happened that we missed, and we talked about that earlier. So I don't I don't think there's, we really need to go into that as much. But it's it's strongly implied that she's she spent a long time a lot of time on Ahsoka's ship, right? There's artwork on one of the bunks of like Chopper and Lothcats, and that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, and it's carrying on that tradition from the Ghost to Ahsoka's ship. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, I really like that. Yeah, it's cool. And there's like a training room. She looks around like she's spent a lot of time in that training room mm-hmm. and she's clearly very bitter toward Ahsoka and, and Ahsoka is also upset with her. Mm-hmm. Sorry. This is, this is all very important. William. Can we talk about the table though? <laughs> that was a cool table, right? <laughs> Although was I right in seeing the seat, the seat of the table is the floor. Yes. So that's either yes. a, a very hard seat or a very weird floor to walk on. Yeah. And you know, you just, definitely want to make sure you clean that table before use because everyone's been walking all over. Oh yeah. I didn't think <laughs> yeah. Aspect of it too. yeah. I yeah, forgot about yeah. that too. Anyway, sorry. I don't, I don't, I did mean to distract, but yeah. I thought that was really funny, yeah. but it was a cool touch. I mean, you have to admit you did not expect to see a table coming out of the floor like that no. within, within the star Wars universe. No, not at all. It's cool. Yeah. It, it is cool. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess suffice to say there's a, there's a lot of history that we haven't unpacked yet between Ahsoka and Sabine. There's a lot of hard feelings. They there's discussions about how you know she's there she's stubborn and bullish and you know of course she's a Mandalorian, right? And yeah. Ahsoka seems to regret the way things happened. You know, she talks about how she walked away from the Jedi just like how she walked away from Sabine. And there's a nice reference to I don't think Hera knows who her master is. And so when she said, I bet your ma- your master found you difficult at times, right? She kind of hits a nerve. Um, yeah. It's... Well, I think I think she knew it was Anakin, but she doesn't know that Anakin is Darth Vader. Right. Because exactly. I think right. we know from the Leia novel that that was not a widely, widely known, known thing. Yeah. 
Exactly. So it's more like, oh, Anakin, yes, I'm a Jedi who died a long time ago. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up again, you know? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I do really like, especially in the second episode, this kind of theme of, you know, uh, Padawans and Masters choosing each other. Um, very kind of reminiscent of, like, Obi-Wan choosing to train Anakin. Um, and just, yeah, I thought it, it mirrored their character moments very well. Like, no, mm -hmm. like, you know, these these are still two people that want to uh be involved like they have a they have this relationship that broke up and now we are you know getting to watch it come together yeah i agree so then the the first half of the two-parter ends with not just one but kind of two shocking revelations i think the the impact of the of the first one isn't really fully understood until the second episode but you know first first a Sabine, she takes the, she defies Ahsoka, takes the the orb, the map back home, and manages to decipher it. And there's like a hologram of two galaxies with this glowing line between them. Mm -hmm. And we find out later in the second episode that it is, you know, when when Balin and 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 Shin and Morgan Elsbeth go to Setos, that. It is a some sort of extra galactic, yeah, like a, like a galaxy. path between like galaxies. The, the what shot <laughs> with uh, Morgan on in the the ruins, Stonehenge. I'm gonna call it because that's yeah. basically what it was. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we are we seem to be going outside the galaxy for the Ahsoka show, which is I have a lot of thoughts about. Yeah. So okay. okay. So. Steven, what do you, how do you feel about it? Yeah, like let's let's get into let's get into it. I will. Yeah. I, I just really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> like I think it's it's a very neat way to tackle it. I'll I'm a little curious if we might get uh, stuck in this other galaxy for some amount of time, and that's part of how you know where they put Ahsoka and Thrawn mm -hmm. and some of this. So it's not part of the galaxy where other things are happening. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom, you haven't heard this. I sent. I told William this. My other okay. theory, like I, I will call this right now. I, I would put it. I think I told William. I'm over fifty percent confident. So I think it's more likely than not. I think we will get the Yuuzhan Vong in this other galaxy. We know Thrawn was exiled. We know he has not been able to come back, mm -hmm. um, despite you know being Thrawn and probably being able to find a way to do so. Right. I and we know that before. Uh, Clone Wars was canceled. Dave Filoni was working on a Yuuzhan Vong arc for the Clone Wars. He showed mm -hmm. some concept art at Celebration Anaheim mm -hmm. uh, like six years ago or some something crazy like that. We, it, For a recap, if you're not familiar with Yuuzhan Vong, they're kind of biological spaceship people. I don't know. That's not the right way to describe them, but whatever. Like they, They're all about organic. They came from another galaxy and attacked the Star Wars, the, the galaxy far, far away. I don't know what, what to call it. Uh, Close enough. I wouldn't, I think we will see the Yuuzhan Vong in this other galaxy. And it could, we know Dave Filoni likes to bring stuff back that he's experimented with before. We know mm -hmm. it's a very, uh, I'm going to say popular thing in the EU. Like I know it's divisive in a lot of ways too, just the New Jedi Order series as a whole, but it is a, a pretty major element. Um, and having them be in this other galaxy means that if it's a big hit, great. We do a Yuuzhan Vong invasion story and, you know, everyone can enjoy that. But if it's not a, that interesting, then it's, oh, they just leave them in another galaxy and it just retains some mystique in these other places that, you know, we may or may not ever go back to. So mm -hmm. uh, 
my prediction is the threat that we will encounter in in addition to Thrawn will be the Yuuzhan I interesting. I hadn't I, I hadn't even considered that until you mentioned that, Stephen. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that is exactly what's happening, right? It, where we've we've seen many threats from outside the galaxy, like the Chiss and mm-hmm. others. Well, the Chiss are in the galaxy; they're the unknown. Oh, I'm sorry, regions, sorry. But... At the I'm at the edges of the galaxy, right? The very sure they're yeah, they're yeah. they're within that galaxy, but they are at the far edges. It's the unknown regions. We've never actually seen threats from outside of the known galaxy, with the exception of the Yuuzhan Vong. Yep. And so I think it and has I, to be that. The other thing I think is interesting is because it, it was the Purgle that took Thrawn yes. there, right? Uh-huh. Right. The Purgle are giant living spaceships. Kind, I mean, oh. they're, not, they're not spaceships. They're giant living organisms. Oh my gosh, you're right. They're giant that is also They can go into very, <laughs> It's very Yuzhan like, Vong. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's definitely closer than it is farther away. Yeah. Um, huh. I don't know. You're right. I, the other thing I think that's obviously going to be very interesting, and this is maybe what I'm most curious to find out about as the season goes on, is what is going on. Like, what's the relationship between Thrawn and Ezra now? Mm-hmm. Um, they were obviously enemies when they dis- departed, for lack of a better word. Um, well, do you think they're working together? Well, but that, I would that... not be so, like, because so here's my problem with it in some ways. Like, there's two options. They're either still fighting and they've been fighting each other in this other galaxy for what 10 10 years like that's a really long time to be involved in a uh like war against one other person when neither of them have any resources or anything Mm -hmm. but it i i can see both thrawn and ezra being practical enough to say like hey you know we're stranded here uh like Obviously, we don't like each other. We don't agree with each other. But like Ezra was fighting against the Empire. Thrawn was fighting to support the Empire. Um, Thrawn wasn't inherently evil, I would say. Um, I think it's reasonable that presented with a threat against each other mm-hmm. or against them both, they would join forces. So and, the, enem- the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, exactly. Like they may not right. like each other. And Think yeah, about yeah. Sabine seeing Thrawn, you know, or seeing Ezra teamed up with Thrawn. Like, that's also just a recipe for drama, which, you know, <laughs> you, je- yeah. you normally want in your drama shows. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's an interesting theory. Yeah. I Like I said, I think I would put it over 50% likely just because I, I want it to be true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, but we'll see. You know, well, we, yeah. know that, we know that Dave Filoni's got his own movie. And so I think it's inevitable that... I, this series is all going to be about bringing Thrawn back, probably with threat of the Yuuzhan Vong. I like your, I like your whole idea that maybe it's a trial run, right, for for bringing them into the our galaxy, and then, and then Dave Filoni's movie is basically heir to the Empire. That's my, the, that that's the my question that's my though is, uh, and this is where like we'll talk. We t- actually, well, we'll talk about it in a couple minutes. Like this show like especially the second episode kind of dumps on the aftermath series which i i don't mind because i wasn't the biggest fan of the aftermath series mm-hmm. but aftermath kind of establishes that at between episode six and episode seven basically nothing of interest ha- happens in the galaxy like there's no big conflicts there is no uh you know conflict of you know between the new republic and the Empire, like the Empire disappeared. 
the new republic was at peace and got complacent and then that allowed the first order to rise mm -hmm. um, and we see that throughout this like with you know the Corellia sequence which we'll talk about i don't think there's room for a yuzenvong invasion as part of uh like maybe it's post well yeah. it'd have to be post post ray right which i'm i'm supportive of to i could see yeah and yeah maybe mm -hmm. that's what maybe that's what we're heading towards um yeah. i think maybe there's like a maybe there is a thrawn brief moment right in in you know heir to the empire style thing and then he's taken out and then post ray is when the yuzhan vong appear yeah what I, maybe it's like maybe yeah. it's like maybe that's like a new hey. the new trilogy of films i don't know i don't know I, it's god that's a fascinating theory that's coming out guys I could, I could see Tom's it. Tom's like, you guys are crazy. This is a <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, I'm not saying, and I'm not seeing. I think crazy. we're also getting a little bit of outbound flight, right? From the Eye of Scion, and even I think you you'd mentioned after we were talking about this, Stephen, that um, uh, Balin is a little bit like Joris Saboeth. Yeah. And mm -hmm. yep. And so I could, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I feel like they're kind of remixing a little bit these these stories and going to have an outbound flight style ship going out into the, another galaxy and finding Thrawn, rescuing him, rescuing him, encountering the Yuzhan Vong, a conflict happens. They come back. The Yuzhan Vong stay there. Thrawn stays in our known galaxy. There's a Dave Filoni's movie about Thrawn in the galaxy. Of course that hat, that get, you know, he gets taken out it, fast forward. Assuming, do we know I, the Dave Filoni movie takes place before seven? I believe it. I believe they said that, yes. It's 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 around okay. the time of it's like and, it, and it, it, they've said it will be the culmination of the storylines in Mandalorian and Ahsoka and all this stuff. That doesn't mean it's before seven though, right? Uh, true. Oh, I thought they said it would be before seven. I thought they said it would be like in that time period of Mandalorian. Interesting. By the way, okay. when you guys get into these discussions, if it's during the week before the podcast, can you loop me in on this? Because I am just fascinated. As oh, to be fair, it was it was a very brief discussion. It was more of a Stephen texting me like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, but, next uh, time, throw me in on that yeah, text yeah, yeah. line because, but, my God. <laughs> sorry to, be to leave you up. Uh, so anyway. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, yes. Lots of interesting theories here. See, I'm I, I just I just want to I don't want to kick the first episode because we need to move on but there's one thing that i appreciated about the way sabine was deciphering the map and how it was given to her because basically she understood art there's another character in the star wars universe that always looks at art to try and decipher yeah. his enemy yep. and that's thrawn yep exactly yeah. so so in a way in a way the thought that the, the parallels between what they're doing with with uh sabine and thrawn especially just with that, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And actually, yeah. we need to talk about... I didn't about, even consider that. You're, yeah. you're totally right. And we get a little bit of that in Rebels, but I think probably you get even more in this show. Yeah, you get more in this. And, and then, and then I, can, I, can I jump really hold, quick? Hold on, hold on. One last okay, thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I go just ahead. want to call it... So, we'll, we'll wrap up the whole Thrawn discussion. Right. We've talked about how it's another galaxy, and I think that alone is very exciting, right? It, we've never gone outside of... The, this is the galaxy far, far away, but we've never gone to the galaxies far, far away. Right. But there's one more interesting line that Morgan says. She says that Thrawn calls to her across time and space. Not just yeah. space, but time. <laughs> uh, I'm very the, curious to hear what that means. Let's see what that means. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I am hoping, hoping upon hope, that we don't see the world between worlds. I'm happy 
that to the extent with these two episodes, what everybody thought was the 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 what ended up being the map and the Stonehenge thingy that Steve yep. and you are now referring to, that's not the world between worlds they were looking at. That was a big star map. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm very An happy old about that. ancient night sister temple too. Yes. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that aspect. The thing I find fascinating, you guys were mentioning the outbound flight thing, and that plays into the second episode. When Hera caught that big, massive hyperdrive being built on Corellia. Now, do you guys, since you brought up the outbound flight thing, and do you think that that is kind of the tie-in to outbound flight? Because remember, we saw this big ring that the hyperdrive was being installed into. Yeah, so just and the dreadnoughts. Yeah, for go ahead. Yeah, so context for people who may not be familiar. So Outbound yeah, Flight ahead, was uh, kind of a prequel in some ways to the original Thrawn trilogy. Um, it takes place during the prequel era. It was uh, an, uh, a mission from the New Republic attempting to kind of travel outside the galaxy to see what they find. Um, it goes into the unknown regions. It ends up crashing. Uh, Thrawn is involved, but it was it was meant to be a journey outside the galaxy. Obviously, fits mm -hmm. very closely here. And in appearance, it was uh, like six starships kind of in a ring arranged in a circle um, with a core piece that was like meant to be like all the food and stuff that they'll need. Um, and Tom, you are, and William, you both have correctly identified that like, that sounds very similar to the Eye of Scion or the ring with the giant hyperdrive we see at the end, mm -hmm. which is again, another really cool detail in my mind. Yeah. 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 Ah, I, I can't wait. So we'll see. I mean, that, that's the episode. The sec second episode ends with Morgan on the ship and the ship in the final stages of construction. And so, yeah, I don't know. It'll, I'm very curious to see what they do. But, but first, we, we talked about how there were two surprises at the end of the first episode. <laughs> yep. Right. The, yep. the part of it, one of it, well, the first part was the, ga the second galaxy awesome discussion i'm very excited to see where they take this the second part though was sabine after she unlocks the map the hk droids attack they find her they track her down to the comms tower they attack she barely uh she you know she runs after them and after a, a quick lightsaber duel in which in which you can you can see she's she's pretty good with with a lightsaber but you can also see she's struggling right she's not mm -hmm she's not fully trained yep shin haiti kept up with her training that's the thing exactly though. shin right. haiti runs her through with a lightsaber and the episode ends yeah yeah what a way to what? end the episode it really is I'll, i did laugh a little bit because i feel like we're getting a little just not and by we i mean star wars little too comfortable with people being stabbed through by lightsabers <laughs> and then surviving i mean really <laughs> what, what why did not why didn't qui-gon survive at this point like yeah exactly was, <laughs> that and that is the problem is like okay guys i feel like qui-gon justice for qui-gon you know he should <laughs> he should still be here it does everyone get run through with a lightsaber and survive these days though like with yeah <laughs> you know, riley riley joined apologies. me a friend a good friend of the show riley and bethany joined us at the screen we at the screening as well in sf and yeah we were joking like i i i have no problems with it in this show we were joking that of course right after especially after kenobi where the grand inquisitor and reva all get stabbed and and survive i think everyone just survives at this point right yeah and well, you just survive. it's not look no, so no, no. Well, Maul survived. You, 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 Maul got cut in half. He also survived. You had, you need to behead. Unless you're beheading <laughs> them, they're coming no. back. 
So well, hang on, you're, you're missing. Survive Obi Wan. Well, it's true. He didn't survive Obi Wan, but that was you're a side. That was a side Obi-Wan. slash, right? Behind the scenes, Qui Gon dies. Uh, Obi Wan obviously devastated. The Jedi Order devastated. This was Liam Neeson. He was a star. You know, they really knew they could have done better, and so they just invested a massive amount of research after Episode One to make sure that okay, if anyone ever gets stabbed by a lightsaber again, yeah. like we'll just make sure they survive. Oh boy, exactly, exactly. And I mean, let's think about it. Who? So after episode one, who dies to a lightsaber? Uh, episode two, I don't think anyone does. Uh, sorry, I take that back. Episode two, someone does die to a lightsaber. Jango Fett dies to a lightsaber, beheaded. Yep. Episode three, Count Dooku dies to a lightsaber, beheaded. beheaded. Episode four, no one dies to a lightsaber. By the way, you know where Anakin learned that technique, right? The beheading with the two lightsabers. Uh, I think snips. it's an Ahsoka thing, right? <laughs> Snips. Uh, Get it. Yeah, never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Please continue okay. with your audit of lightsaber deaths. <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, to, okay. I don't think anyone dies in episode five to a lightsaber. I mean, again, like we Luke loses a hand, but that's the problem. Well, and Obi Wan dies. Anyone, he, he dies in New dies? Hope. Who does? Obi Wan. Uh, old Ben. Yeah, that's kind of different. Obi Wan chose to. He didn't die to the lightsaber. Obviously, he knows he could have survived. Maul survived being cut in half. Obi-Wan just decided he would wanted to be a force ghost now, you know? Okay, I'll, I'll give it uh, to you. I'll give it to you. So five, no one dies. Six, no one dies with a lightsaber. Uh, seven, I guess Han dies with a lightsaber. No, I take that back. Han dies at the fall. He doesn't die with a lightsaber. So <laughs> that explains that one. Uh, episode eight, does anyone die with a lightsaber in an eight? Uh, Luke, well, Luke's not there. He dies from exhaustion, so it doesn't count. Yep. No, that doesn't count. That's good. <laughs> that's that's what we're gonna see next is uh Monster Energy is gonna sponsor the next episode of Star Wars and like look, no more do you have to die when you use the force. Now drink a monster energy and you're fine, you're good to go, you know? Not a sponsor of this show. Wow. Uh, uh also presumably disgusting. I've never had one. Nine, anyway, sorry, lights, what were we it's, li- it's force like lightning. This isn't important. You know, yeah, yeah. This is what happens when we're recording for like an hour and a half at this point. <laughs> but hey, this is great, right? This is this is Ahsoka. You have to. And there's a lot to unpack here. I know. Um, okay, so so anyway, uh, Sabine. Thankfully, they have the best medical uh, facilities on Lothal. Sabine is just fine. She's totally fine. She's stuck in a bed for a little bit, but you know she she quickly heals. Uh, I do love how the two one B called it hit repairs right you see your repairs are almost finished mm-hmm. it's pretty great yeah um and ahsoka goes back another hk droid is hiding in sabine's old house and so ahsoka decapitates the droid as you do if you want to make do. sure people are dead yeah, absolutely um and as we've learned decapitation is the way uh and this leads to a, a kind of a cool sequence where sabine has to decode the uh the HK droids memory banks before the circuit overheats and the head explodes. Of course, you know, hologram Hera saying go for it is absolutely hilarious. Cause she's not yep. actually there. <laughs> yeah. Because you're a hologram. And they Although, me. Yeah. Oh gosh. yeah. Yeah. I have some questions given how big the explosion was, you know, like we're talking about how many millions of casualties, if this goes off in the middle of fall, like, I mean, they don't have, they don't have time to, <laughs> to move to, anywhere to else move. Well, okay well we'll also put it this way it was in a building a building may contain a bit of the explosion so it may not be as bad as you think yeah it's true. Um, the other ones what happened to buildings on what was it arcana 
Yeah. Oh yeah, but no, no, no. There wasn't much there. It was was already rubble. Yeah, there wasn't much there anyway, and they were already outside. This was actually in a room with an. Okay, it was in a hospital with a bunch of people. Actually, hang on. So let me just make sure I understand. So you're saying on Arcana, the reason all the buildings were destroyed is because they were really old. Like if if Ahsoka had sneezed on them, it basically would have been the same effect. They were old, and also the droids were outside. This was inside. Mm. Everyone and. Everyone knows bombs don't do as much damage when you are inside. Okay, I, I, you've convinced me, Tom. Your logic is impeccable. My logic <laughs> is ridiculous. I just thought I'd just have some fun with this one. Uh, okay, yeah. so that leads them to Corellia. And we have, we've seen Corellia before, but this is our first time seeing Corellia. Well, I mean, we saw it in, in Solo, right? But it went by so fast that I feel like we really didn't get to see much of the yep. of the planet steven i know I you've been chomping big, at the bit the to biggest... talk about corellia oh. i this was by far like the highlight of both episodes for me just mm-hmm. from beginning to end a yeah. we've got ahsoka and hera which is just a great combo uh we get chopper back which we'll talk about yep <laughs> um, love chopper and in true fashion we get into the nitty-gritty of shipbuilding and the new republic and how much of a failure it is um <laughs> <laughs> but i i agree but, it was so cool but continue yeah yeah no no so the so the main the main thrust of the plot at this point is they know the hk droid was supposedly built on corellia in uh morgan's holdings like it sounds like she had a business there or a factory but all of the imperial factories were supposed to be nationalized by the republic or whatever it might be um and we get the the foreman who's like, no, no, there's all the imperial stuff has clearly been uh, de whatever decommissioned. There's no way this happened here, not possible. Um, but oh no, of course. Sorry, I'm I'm summarizing, but like, I actually think my favorite detail here is something that EU never really touches on, but then uh, excuse me, the new can has touched on quite a bit, which is like, hey, we had an entire galaxy that was built around the empire. Like, sorry, your factories on Corellia can't fire all the people that worked for the Empire and then expect to keep running. So, of mm-hmm. course, they keep around a lot of the workers. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, the New Republic seems to continue to be incompetent and didn't, like, do any kind of, like, loyalty screenings or any any sort of work. So, you know, it turns out the supervisor and uh, quite a few people were, in fact, working for the Empire. Um yeah, it's just a great sequence. Sorry, I've been monologuing. I don't know. No, no, I, I, I agree. Tom, Tom, your thoughts on this? Um, I, I totally agree. That is the one thing that if you're going to sit here and try and take over a factory, nobody's going to overnight change their allegiance. Okay. Especially for something like this. All right. The thing I found very fascinating was whenever Hera was just like, you know, I need this information. Well, it's classified. Well then why don't you want to classify <laughs> well, it? I, I really, I, really like the so detail good. of pointing out like, yeah, so sorry, you no. Go ahead. You hit the other thing I was really interested in, Tom, which is <laughs> they're investigating, and I think it's Sabine. Is it Sabine or is it Hera? Hera. I don't remember. I One. Of, yeah. not it was Sabine, Hera. Sorry. I think Sabine. Hera, yeah. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, Ahsoka wouldn't care, and Sabine wasn't there. Um, Hera's like, you know, you said you're building a ship. You're like, that's all you're doing. But that is a hyperdrive that is way too big for any ship the New Republic is building. Right. Which again ignores aftermath, which says that the New Republic stopped building ships and demilitarized, which Again, I'm glad they changed it because I always thought that was dumb. I mean, but you, yeah, you could maybe squint and say, well, of course, it doesn't fit any ship the New Republic is building because they're not really building any ships. <laughs> but, no, but or they're only so they small. But... Building ships. And yeah. The ship. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. Now, I'm the... you've sent me down another rat hole. 
in the first episode, they also mentioned the ship that was hit, the prison ship that had Morgan in the first place was new build right. uh, Republic ship, which makes me think we are going to get something here. Uh, like they've now mentioned in two, ep- two of two episodes about the new Republic fleet and the ships that are being built mm-hmm. um, and their relative power level. I suspect that may come up in the future about the new Republic fleet being new. Perhaps there's like, um, maybe they are, uh, you know, sabotaged in some way, mm, or maybe yeah. they're going to need that fleet in order to fight Thrawn. I, I don't know what it is yet, but they've mentioned mm-hmm. it twice now, which makes me think they're going to use it. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hyperdrive <laughs> yeah, is too big, doesn't fit. And that kicks off the firefight in the control room because, you know, Clearly, all hail the umpire. Yeah. Also, we're saying all hail the umpire. As as you as you said, Tom, the whole sequence with Hera like putting her foot down and it's like, well, it's classified. Well, to classify then, I have an authorization. I'm authorizing it, right? It's so good. I'm I'm a general. It's like, excuse me, I'm a general. I can I can declassify that (laughs) right now where I stand. And then she, when she says, "Wanna bet?" You know, he is so good. Let's be fair. (laughs) There is zero percent chance the New Republic doesn't have forms you have to submit in triplicate to get stuff declassified okay wait a minute wait a minute didn't we see that in um uh we saw that in andor yeah 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 so well, there were a whole the bunch... Empire, right but yeah but no the new republic i mean this just it's incompetent it annoys me i wish the new republic was a little more competent but whatever. but but also in in this case right weaver the the you know regional supervisor min weaver played by peter jacobson he is he's part of it right and so he's intentionally right. stalling and trying to see if Hera will just give up, and she's not giving in one iota, and it's great, right? And then when the the C one droid, uh, you know, lets slip that yo HK droids were on the planet, uh, and prevented them the droid from you know inventorying some stuff, it's a uh, you know that that's of course what leads to the big the big shootout. I, it's 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 I love the whole sequence. It I, I would, like you said, Stephen. I just love. I love seeing how the ships are made, how, how, how big everything is up close as they're taking a tour of the facility. It's just, it's such a cool sequence. Mm-hmm. It goes I, by I got, too fast and solo. And, and I got, I got two things. One, probably the reason why we didn't see Corellia a lot in solo or any other episode is because we've always visited, visited the planet when it's dark. Okay. Now we get to see it in the bright light of day. And two, do you seriously think when it comes to a C1 droid, if it's anything like C-3PO, they're going to say information just because they're going to say information, regardless if you want to hear it or not. It's what they so do. Weaver should have known. Yeah, Weaver yeah. should have known the information was going to come out one way or another. Oh, yeah. he Yeah, there was no way it was going to stay hidden. But it leads to a cool fight. I think there's, there's, there's two parts to it, right? We've got Ahsoka versus Marok, who is... It's interesting. Marok is not credited in the show. And we really don't get much. He kind of, he, she, not really sure. Looks kind of like an inquisitor with the double bladed inquisitor the inquisitor blade. For yeah. certainly. I believe all the inquisitors were gone by this. Are gone by this point. Uh, William. So, so are all the Jedi by this point. That's and we true. know how that turned out. That's true. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, they they so still I'm, keep popping up left and right. I'm very curious. No, they, it does feel like they are saving Marok for some reveal. Like when he shows up on uh, Arcana in the first episode, I definitely had that moment. Like, wait, who's the cool looking guy in the back? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got some like Star Killer type vibes to him as well. <laughs> okay, um, I, can't, I can't believe you said that because 
before the screening, uh, I was joking with uh, Riley, and he's like, I want, he's trying to make Starkiller happen and come back. Uh, and so he's like, every time something would happen, he's like, Starkiller, Starkiller I in the premiere. <laughs> I feel like I remember seeing like a headline or something about... Hey, Sam Witwer was one of the extra voices in the, you know, in the, in these episodes. He played some, some background part of the, the loop ADR team. So, hmm. yeah, make Starkiller happen. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, it, to be clear, I don't think it's actually Starkiller, but I think No, I know, I know, but yeah, it was hilarious. By... Riley and my friend were both joking the whole time about it. And yeah, it, it's great. You know, it would be quite interesting if Sam Witwer is in this episode, because remember, when we were at um, Celebration, he was having a meeting with Filoni and Favreau. Yeah. I I don't think it's Starkiller. It's also no, no, it's definitely it's definitely not Starkiller. But... <laughs> I'm saying it could be Sam Whitwer. The thing I think is interesting uh... is he seems to be uh, another disciple of Balin. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought he might have been in, like a droid for a while as well. Um, but I think when we see him in this episode, it's much more clear that that's not the case. I'm. I don't know. He just seems super cool in true Star Wars fashion. It probably means we're like not going to find out anything about him. Um, <laughs> he will be the Phasma and or Boba Fett that just is there. No, but no, we'll it be- better not be Phasma. Better not be the Phasma type well, character. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I agree. Phasma also got underutilized. And yeah, I mean, we never saw her actually die. So maybe it is fat. Well, I guess this is yeah. Phasma. Well, this is regardless. Yeah, I, this is yeah. Mark's it's it's really a, cool. I really enjoyed the battle between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know what you I enjoyed I, more. Sorry, I bet I know what you enjoyed even more though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay so here we I, go. This is the only reason I'm here, William, is to talk about the Phantom chasing down the the cargo transport, <gasps> and we got Chopper as well. Like. Mm-hmm. Isn't it so cool to see the Phantom back, or actually the Phantom Two? This is our, maybe maybe Phantom Three at this point. Who knows? But it's true. Yeah, just call it the Phantom. Yeah, <laughs> I've lost track of the numbers by now. It's cool to see. But it, yeah, it's cool to see. It was so awesome, like to have even a mini spaceship battle. I'll be always happy with it. Um, I have some serious questions about how that ship went into hyperspace with the, like the tow cables below it. But like suspension of disbelief, gonna... just go with it. Just That's go fair. with it. I mean. Yeah, fine. But Tom, I agree with you. No, I the agree. Physics with you. say it's not possible. But I agree with you. It should have been in some kind of cradle in the back of a ship instead of hanging by cables. And all of a sudden, boom! You would think that if it goes into hyperspace, that that hyperspace drive it's, would have just ripped right off. I'm I'm sure they just expand the hyperspace field around the smaller ship and, or the, the engine, and it's all fine. Well, um, if that's the case, then right before that 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 shield went around then chopper wouldn't have been able to throw the little tracking device which took him a while to find thank you very much onto yep. the ship before it took off can that might have been one of my favorite parts of the entire episode was totally watching agree. chopper dig through his stuff and then <laughs> complain to hera about digging through moving his, stuff. his touching yep. his stuff it's yep. so great yep it's peak chopper right it's so good oh total it's so good Oh, yes. So, you know, they, 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 they put a tracking beacon on it, which is good. And that allows them to, to figure out where, where Shin and Marok went with the hyperdrive, presumably leading them to the are we, eye of Are we Sion. done talking about Chopper? It's not, I, I had more things. Sorry, to was there more? More? Go ahead. <laughs> Go I, ahead. I just want to appreciate how the moment Chopper shows up, that was just the moment of like, oh no, they nailed him. Like whatever, yeah. whoever they got to play Chopper, like really embodied uh, animated Chopper, you know? 
from like the warbling back and forth to the mm-hmm. the like fist pump when he made the shot. Like they just did an amazing job. Yeah, great Hats casting. off the chopper. Great actor. casting. I, I didn't see in the credits who it was, but I just I assume they were excellent. <laughs> Oh yes, yes. Well, I mean, as we all know from the Rebel season fina- series finale, Chopper is none other than George, uh, George Lucas. No, Dave Filoni. Um, it would have been funny if it was George Lucas, right? No, um, yeah. So that that is always cool to see. But yeah, it's I I love seeing Chopper and the Phantom. It, and this is where again it it really feels like Rebels, right? Yeah, you got mm, you got everyone. Yeah, the only one we haven't seen yet is Jason Solo. Uh, Jason Solo. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, that'd Jay- be quite the reveal. Jason Sindula. Uh, yeah, that would have been quite a reveal. By the way, this character who no longer exists anymore is back. Um, Can you imagine the reaction if they were <laughs> that were to actually happen. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, no. Jason Sindula is, is like one of the only ones we didn't see, or like some force ghost of Kanan, right? Like, yep. It, it, not that I expect that, but. Uh, <laughs> It, it, I would also be fine with it that. It is one hundred percent rebels. It, yes, there's a lot more. It's not only rebels, and I would hope. I guess we'll see once our you know our other family and friends watch these episodes. But I would hope that it's something that even if you haven't seen rebels, you can get into and, and enjoy. And maybe once now, hopefully, they can get past a lot of the what happened in these intervening years and, and focus more on the the exciting possibilities of what's happening, happening beyond the galaxy. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, and so hopefully, hopefully people don't feel left behind at this point. Um, but I think it was a good decision to release the first two episodes together. Yeah. Oh, totally. So, totally. I guess we haven't talked about it really, but like, I thought the first episode, I guess I didn't say it was kind of a slow burn. It just, there's not a ton that happens and there's not a lot of like the main action sequence of the first episode is the lightsaber fight at the very, very end. And the speeder chase, which isn't really an action scene. Well, and there's the there's uh, the whole fight with Balin, right, at the very beginning. Yeah, okay, so you've got an opening fight, a speeder chase, and a closing fight. There's a really, and it's like a 50-minute episode. It's just, I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but it's a very slow burn, and I yeah. felt like it relied heavily on, oh, man, it's Sabine. Oh, man, it's Ahsoka. Oh, man, it's Hera. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, yeah. is not a recipe for, you know, getting random people necessarily to watch. And I'm... I'm curious to see what the reaction is. I I hope they've found that perfect balance. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have to, for a lot of people, they also, if you haven't seen Rebels, you, you're kind of getting used to these characters for the first time. And so, yep. you know, that that is that is some of it. I think there's just, there is a lot of backstory that's referred to. And even for big fans, it's not clear. Like, I even thought, did I miss something? Did I forget something? Rather than... Oh yeah, that happened off screen. And so if I think that, I think the average viewer is probably going to think, "Oh wow, there's just a lot of stuff I just don't know about." And that's fine. It doesn't mean you can't mm-hmm. get into it, right? Um, and hopefully, there's enough hype and excitement that people will watch the first two episodes. Because I think once you get into the first two episodes, there's so much. By the end of the second episode, there's so much interesting stuff. Even if you're not a fan, right? What's happening beyond the galaxy? And a lot of people know of Thrawn's name, right? So they're going to be excited for, for them to find Thrawn. Even if you don't know who Ezra is or who Sabine is or Hera. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now there's there's been some great moments with Hera, with Sabine, that hopefully people will, and of course Ahsoka, uh, will, will start to get more excited about these characters. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. there's enough here between the two episodes that... You really don't need to go back and watch 
let's say all of Rebels, if you want to catch a couple main episodes, that would be the case. But in this case, I think you can jump on at this point and not really get lost because I'm pretty sure as the show goes on, there'll be some explanations to get you caught up in certain points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels like yeah. honestly at this point that we are, we may actually be past that point. Like it, yeah. the first episodes do a good job of setting up their characters, the main plots and things that are going on with them. Some of which, like we said, are not even part of uh, the original rebels. And from here, like we're off to another galaxy probably, which is super cool. Yeah. It's yeah. So cool. It is so cool. So the episode ends, we kind of alluded to earlier, right? Hyang gives Sabine a, a good pep talk and it's like, no, you need to go. You haven't even said you've, you're interested in, tra- in training again. So go get off your butt. There's no time like the present, right? Just stop wasting your own time and ask Ahsoka. And so she, she pulls out her old Mandalorian armor, cuts her hair, just like we saw at the end of Rebels, and then gives Ahsoka a call and is like, I'm ready. Let's do this. And that is what causes Ahsoka to return to Lothal again. This time with her her class, her iconic cloak, right? And they meet at the mm-hmm. mural at sunset and uh and they they have a brief chat, right, uh, about, you know, the haircut and the fact that they've they've tracked they've tracked uh the the mysterious transport to the planet Cetos. And it's time to go. And you know, Ahsoka calls Sabine her Padawan, and that's it. You We're know, off to the races. Uh, yeah, we we got yep, you know like you I said, we, one brief shot, one more brief sequence with uh, uh, with Morgan Elsbeth, and you know they're talking about how it'd be a shame to kill Ahsoka. I think trying to get people fearing for Ahsoka's life, but we all know she'll be she'll probably be fine. Um, I mean, do we? Do I mean, we, we don't know. We we don't know what happens after this, right? She could die, but I don't know. She's presumably dead by the time Ray shows up, I think, right? Because we hear yeah. her voice in episode nine. That's true. Or maybe it's a great sacrifice. The mentor makes a sacrifice. I don't know. I mean, the other possibility is that mm. it's a call from across time and space in episode nine, perhaps from <laughs> another galaxy where Ahsoka has been exiled. And everyone else well, was stabbed through with a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, remember, she was exiled before, too. And that happened in Rebels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or know how things are going to go. But... I mean, I, I could see an end of the show, which is, I mean, I guess we've got the Thrawns. I guess it depends on when the Thrawn stuff takes place. But like, imagine, uh, like, you know, they've, we've only got the one ship which can go between galaxies and they have to make a choice to either strand themselves or, dis- or sorry, destroy the ship and strand themselves to prevent Thrawn from returning. Or they allow Thrawn to come back to the galaxy and they choose to just strand themselves instead. I could see it. And, you know, cue another 10, 15 years or whatever to the end of episodes nine. And now we can come back. And Ahsoka comes back and trains Ray. I, I mean, I don't, I, I would be surprised, but sure. That would be fascinating. She wasn't interested in, tra- in like working or doing anything with Luke, really. So. Or, yeah, or Sabine. She doesn't years. want to train anyone. <laughs> Yeah, but, but yeah. 10 years can change the mind of somebody over that time. You never know. So it's true. Yeah, are, are we to the point where we can give our grades? Our one we, I mean, I think stuff? we may have been out of the point like two hours ago, Tom. But... <laughs> oh, no, 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 really? no. Great. Hey, is this David, our longest podcast, by the way? No, like, we've my... done longer. But, you know, this Wait is out. this is this is Ahsoka, right? This is the continuation of Rebels, and it's 
uh, uh, there's so much to, to digest and, and, and unpack here. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we're, realize we're, we're approaching, we're pretty long. Yeah. We're approaching like an hour and 45 minutes, but I think it's, yeah. you need, you need a lot of time to unpack everything that happened in these first two episodes. So, yep. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, so ratings. I, Tom see, or Steven, no, 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 Steve, Steven go first. Oh my goodness. Why? Okay. I feel like I've shared a lot of thoughts already. Um, but like the brief summary, I think is I thought the first episode was a little on. Oh, I, sorry. I guess before we're doing each episode separately, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So first episode I thought was a little bit slow. Um, I enjoyed it as a fan of rebels um, and a fan of star Wars, but it definitely, it could have used a little bit more action. Um, I think I would give it probably an, I'm going back and forth. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half out of 10. I'm like stretching between a seven and an eight. Um, I suspect it's probably a seven for non-Star Wars people or people who aren't super familiar with Rebels. I'm like an eight if you are. Um, Solid episode overall. I enjoyed it. And I think it does a a good job of setting things up. I'm glad they did the second episode at the same time. Second episode did significantly better. It ups the action. It kicks off the plot. um, And I'm very, very excited to see where we go from here. I mean, we talked, about all the different pieces, but like really, really happy with that second episode. I think I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. Um, so that gives me what's uh 16 and a half womp rats, I think across the board. Mm, looks like it. Um, and my 16 and a half womp rats are obviously working at the shipyard on Corellia. Um, you know, now that the, the pro Imperial humans have been kicked out, they're going to take over and start actually building some decent ships for the new Republic, which, you know, is, desperately in need so yeah nice. there you go that's my uh my my two sets tom uh i kind of agree when it comes to the first episode i think it was a little slow but it was slow for a reason because it's basically getting people caught up on what's going on so where you can really get into the characters and understand where they're coming from i enjoyed it i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten and then when it got to episode two, I really appreciate how that one moved quicker, the action that happened. And basically, again, moving the story forward from, you know, setting up the rest of the series. So I'm giving it an 8.5. So right now I've got myself 16.5 Womp Rats that I get to do whatever damage I want to do to them. Hmm. You don't have to do well, damage. Tom. I know. That, that's, no. Nowhere in your contract does it say that you have to hurt Womp Rats. That's just Wait all you. Wait, we have contracts? Anyway, uh, yeah, there's a whole union negotiation. Oh, <laughs> uh, stay away from that one. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I think what I'm going to do is my 16.5 Womp Rats. Hmm. God, I don't know what to do with them. Um, I want to put them in the hospital where Sabine was at. And basically, they're running around being the nursing staff uh, and helping people in there, making sure that they're getting the care that they need. But sadly... One of them went just a little too far to where there's only half of them left. So, is that how they started healing lightsaber wounds? Is they realized that womp rats have medicinal properties or that make amazing po- doctors? That is a possibility. Or there's something about a womp rat that gives them the healing properties to make them the wounds go quick. That's why there's half because it's, they decided to experiment on one. Um, yeah. Or they found out that because of the half, it wasn't really like Bacta that was really helping the wound. So, yeah, 
I don't know where I'm going with this. William, please get me out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, boy. That, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll wrap things up. I I love this, right? This, this really is Rebels continued, right? Where this is Rebels season five in live action yep. form. And sure, it, you know, it, it, it can take a little bit to get used to the live action versions of the characters, but I thought Sabine was spot on. Hera was very good. I quickly got used to her. Right, Ahsoka, she's now growing on me as well. I think it's it's hard not having Ashley Eckstein, right, and her her voice. But I think for this much more older, more uh, reserved character, I think it makes sense to 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 play her a little differently, a little less bubbly and bouncy. Um, and uh, yeah, I just you know, seeing Lothal, seeing Ryder, right? It, it is Rebel season five, but also more it, it, it's got thrawn uh who we know will show up eventually it's got uh the it's this hints of another galaxy balin is awesome uh I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens with morgan elsbeth as well i'm just so excited so i yes i think i i agree with many of what you guys said the first episode was was really enjoyable i i, I really enjoyed liked it a little quieter at times right slow burn introducing things but it's not not a bad thing by any stretch uh and so i think i'd give that one uh episode eight out of ten and then the second episode right really starts to kick things up a notch and get more exciting and these possibilities of another galaxy and that oh man i'm I'm so excited we've never seen something like that so different uh in star wars right the closest we've gotten is as steven said the yuzhan vong so I cannot wait coming to see soon. what they do exactly coming soon. I cannot wait to see where they take this, what happens. And so I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. This is just the beginning, right? There's a lot more that's going to happen in this, this season. This is the first two of eight episodes. So I cannot wait to, to see where they take it. But for now, my two Womp Rats, they're, uh, you know, my two Womp Rats, my, my, um, the, uh, uh 16, 17. 17 Womp Rats. If I can, if I can math, uh, they're, you know, unfortunately, everyone likes Lothcats, but there's actually laws prohibiting, you know, removal of Lothcats from Lothal. And so Ahsoka just adopted some Womp Rats instead. Mm. Basically the same thing the pet owner said. Exactly. The yeah. pet store said, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what happened. I, sorry, I also, I wanted to add one other thing that I totally forgot. I mentioned earlier, but uh, Balin... Re- Again, super awesome new character. Like a lot of the show is returning characters, but I do want to give them credit for also putting together some like amazing new characters that I'm very mm-hmm. excited yeah. to know more about. Like it's not totally just agree. the Rebels reunion that I think makes this show so good. Yeah. And I'm very excited to see what they do with his character throughout this season because mm-hmm. some of some listeners may know the actor who played uh, Balin died just a couple months ago. Uh, he passed away. And so, uh, which is which very sad and surprising. Uh, and, yeah. and so, yeah, this is like one of his last, I think this might be his last project ever. And so, yeah, it's, he did, he, he's going out with a bang. It was a really incredible mm-hmm. performance and really yeah. well done. Yeah. yeah. So okay. with that, uh, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Hey guys, we've got rebels is back <laughs> or not really rebels, but you know, Ahsoka is finally here. Dave Filoni, I hope he's so proud of of the work he and the team are doing. Because if the show rest of the show is like this, I I can't wait. This this is awesome. So yeah, yep. yeah. So Looking thank you all for listening. We've got Star Wars every week again. 
I'm so excited. We'll be back next week with our review of Ahsoka Chapter 3. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.